Hello, and welcome to This Week in the Ancient Near East, a podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Jaffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me, as always, are two academics from genuine bona fide institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you from the Lawrence Welk Museum of North Dakota Art here on the beautiful Hubel campus. Today, we're talking about tattooing in antiquity, from tattooing the foreheads of criminals in classical Greece to magical tattoos all over the body of an elite Egyptian woman at Deir el-Medina. Tattoos appear to have been all over the place, literally and figuratively. How can we generalize about human body modification in the past and its many negative and positive meanings? Criminals didn't have much of a choice, but why did they keep doing it for healing purposes when it probably didn't work? Did people in the past look like contemporary Brooklynites? Okay, maybe, but what about the skull deformation that made people look like coneheads? So I have, I have a lightning round. Um... Well, we'll see if you guys think it's a good one. Okay. Okay. If you could be any kind of graphic artist, what would it be and why? Oh. I wasn't expecting that. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a sign of a at least quasi-successful lightning round. Yeah. I was expecting it to be some sort of awful question about what what tattoos we have or like or have seen or something like that no no, so i would uh this i can answer because i would like to be a illustrator for graphic novels Ah. you know like jack kirby kind of stuff Uh, i've always i've always wanted i wish i was uh hang on it's the it's the uh, new delhi freight train coming through (laughs) Um, maybe we should switch to you, Rachel, while he's muted. Yeah, okay, so so I think I was just saying the other day that um, if, I had, if I had adequate artistic talent, I don't know quite what kind of a graphic artist I would be, but perhaps I would be a 19th century painter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to be Yeah, I, I would like to be, I would like to have enough artistic talent to be a portrait artist. That's a lot of patience too. I have patience. Well, I know that, but. <laughs> um, but I think what JP was gonna say was gonna be more interesting. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say that, you know, like those, uh, you know, like the really, um, I like graphic novels. I love Mobius and I love those illustrations. And I like the early, you know, Jack Davis kind of illustrations that are very Baroque and have a million things going on and lots of shading and all of that. Um, so yeah, I'd like to, that's what I would do. Hmm. So this is, I mean, we both grew up with Mad Magazine. Right. This is a little more, this is a little more elevated than that, I guess, at least <laughs> graphically. I, I just wanted to be a, like a draftsman. <laughs> 
I'd, I would have liked to be to, to have been able to draw a straight line of, <laughs> of equal thickness from one end to the other. Like a draftsman to do architectural plans of buildings or to do archaeological? Uh, yeah, any of, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, at a certain point, I guess I got to, I got to the level where I could draw, I could see a rock, and I could draw something that looked like that rock. But it wasn't, you know, it's a representation of that rock. It wasn't really the essence of that rock. <laughs> I've always really liked archaeological uh, drawing, uh, measuring and drawing. Yeah, does anybody do it anymore? No, I, that's a, I was going to start. That's a whole meditation Yeah. on, on how we, we came through that with such a valued skill. Right. And that it was, it was judged and, you know, everyone looked at your drawings and complimented you or derided you, whatever, right. on and right. on. And how we thought that that was really a skill that you needed to have to be a field archaeologist. And then you started working on Israeli digs and you realized, oh, they have someone do, who does all this for you. Right. And then eventually everyone just went to that model and it was like, oh, you don't need that. You don't need to know how to draw. Right, right. But it's really a lost art. And I think you actually lose a lot of, I'm getting too serious here, but you, when you're doing that kind of drawing, you're also doing interpreting while you're drawing. You're really thinking it through while you're staring at it. And yeah, but nobody, that, that model of, being, of field archaeology was abandoned decades ago. Well, yeah. And now everybody just takes digital pictures of everything, of their sections even. And I think it's really terrible. But yeah, no one does a lot of interpretation. They sort of know what they're don't want to find and they find it. Right. Well, I, I disapprove. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Start out this episode with a scolding. <laughs> it's going in that direction. Um, scolding. Well, but you know, this whole approval, disapproval thing, uh, it speaks to a kind of generational divide that, you know, us, us olds, I think have a very different, uh, set of, at the very least, aesthetic values, which we'll have to pass for a segue into, into the question of uh, tattoos in antiquity. Right. And, uh, you know, which is today's, today's question. And um, brought about by a fascinating article in The Greek Reporter. <laughs> so, a big shout out to our colleagues at The Greek Reporter for this article about uh, criminals tattooed with a delta on their forehead. Right. Yeah. Um, something we should bring back? Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, didn't, uh, didn't Hawthorne try to bring that back in the 19th century? It didn't, didn't seem to, while his novel seemed to flourish, is the modality of bringing back uh, <laughs> tattoos on the forehead did not. No. Right. That's probably a good thing. That was actually the theme of the episode of Succession that I watched last night, but now we're going to get way far afield. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I, think, I, I think now. Let's it was see. actually about a tattoo on a forehead, but. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> it, it was it was not a good thing to do. Right. I, I think I speak for all three of us when I say um, I agree with that sentiment. <laughs> But uh, maybe that's just maybe that's just a, a stodgy, um, a stodgy old-fashioned way of looking at things. Because certainly in antiquity, if you were, let's say, an 11th or 12th dynasty woman at 
um, where, where was she? Daryl, Daryl Medina. Daryl Medina. Yeah. Who had 30 tattoos. Yeah. Um, I made a list. Let's see. Um, a seated, uh, a seated baboon. I think <laughs> there were a couple of baboons. Yeah. There were a bunch of baboons, right. But, but keep, keep going. I think we all made the same list. <laughs> Four snakes, um, lotus blossoms, wedget eyes, right. all kind of arranged symmetrically on her shoulders and back and hips and stuff. And it's and, and her throat mm-hmm. and her throat. Yeah, that was a big deal in what we read. Right. Yeah, that is a big deal. <clears throat> yeah. Um, did, did you say did you say also Hathor cows? Because that was part of my list. Uh, I mentioned Hathors, but I didn't mention the actual cow. Okay. Cow and, essence. And weren't there some best best images? Yes, on her or somebody else. Right, that right. That's what I'm somebody, now. That might have been somebody else. Yeah, it might have been somebody else. Yeah, he's he's not on my list, but I know I I mentioned him somewhere in my notes. Again, right. she seemed to be an, <clears throat> unusual in this regard. That that tattooing did not seem to be a kind of a usual thing for um, for uh, ancient Egypt, at least in sort of the Middle Kingdom, New Kingdom context. But it occasionally cropped up, so it did seem to have kind of a special. It indicated someone special in the society. It didn't. It wasn't sort of a rank and file. Everyone was getting tattoos. Right. So of course we only have you know. Mummies of a certain kind of <clears throat> kind of uh, level. Right, right, right. Um, I'm just looking for something. Well, but it turns out also that uh, that by chance the the three of us wrote a pioneering article about tattooing. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> I don't know if pioneering is quite the quite the right descriptor, but we did write indeed an article. But I, what I didn't remember about our article is how much we concentrated on tattooing and bodily modification in general. What I did remember was that we were saying that uh, this one calcolithic figurine was not of a goddess, but of a human woman. But apparently we proved that with tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or bodily painting. We didn't really, we, right. we didn't really refine that, um, right. Right. that category. That's true. Whereas on mummies, of course, we know that these are all being tattooed. So, uh, so not only is so first we have the this little news uh, clip about how uh, in the in the fifth century, um, uh, Greeks uh, would indicate criminality and otherness and uh, non-Greekness by tattooing, you know, captives and slaves and and these kinds of um, elements, these kinds of criteria in society. Um, and we're moving it back now. We sort of look at the history of tattooing and realizing it goes back quite a bit further, um, all the way back to what? The Nakata three, I guess, at Jebelin. Yes, if not, if not earlier, because right. you can look at uh, figurines from, from Egypt and, and all over the place, not least of all the Gilat figurine. <laughs> and we wrote about. The registered trademark of <laughs> Um, the Calcolithic in the Southern Levant. Um, but you, you go back and uh, to lots of different periods and you see 
lines and dots right in places on on figurines of both males and females suggesting that there's something going on it's bodily modification it's tattooing it's scarification it's painted it's something right but the greek and the and the egyptian um examples seem to be good um you know one one is is positive and one is somewhat negative right so yeah yeah there's a whole so, range of possibilities. Right, exactly. Uh, and then, of course, as you go further back, you really have no idea. Um, and, then, and then, of course, there's this great example of, uh, of Utsi from yeah. the, from, what does he date to? The he dates. late 4th millennium BC, yeah. something yeah, like that? exactly. Uh, and he has 61 tattoos. And that's I guess a lot that's, of tattoos. Right, that's a lot of tattoos. <laughs> And I guess one of the big things now is that uh, archaeologists are recognizing that they need to use, you know, infrared photography and all sorts of other kinds of things to discern tattoos on these mummies, because it's very, very hard to spot them uh, in, with just, you know, the naked eye. Right. So, right. Uh, That's a good point, too. Right. Um, so they use this photography to look at Utsi and they realize, oh, he doesn't have 40 or 50, he has 61 tattoos. Um, and the tattoos seem to to coincide with places of, uh, of stress on the human body, joints and, um, and legs and arms and might indicate, um, you know, it, it might've been some kind of a medicinal kind of thing uh, to alleviate pain in these joint areas uh, or something along those lines, it's unclear. Mm -hmm. um, Does it work? <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, I'm always curious about these, these ancient cultural practices that seem to have gone on for thousands of years. And as opposed to, you know, Otsi coming back two weeks later and saying, it still hurts. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he had 61 applied. Right. So More tattoos obviously, that's the obviously answer. he was a repeat customer right. and, he, and he was not getting a lot of satisfaction. Right. Yeah. Sort of like a, they were mixing up acupuncture with, with tattooing. Well, someone mentioned acupuncture and, and that. What, oh, what is kind of interesting, though, is that all of these early case studies, they all indicate something very different, right? You know, one is possible uh, a therapeutic kind of thing or, you know, uh, acupuncture kind of thing. One is, you know, uh, laden with symbolism and those kinds of things. And another is, you know, some kind of uh, wise woman or priestess. Right, that they're one all, was interesting. Right, yeah. they're all, uh, and I guess, I guess what really this is leading to is the role of tattoos in contemporary society. Oh, is that where it's leading? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I'm sure there must be billions of, of our sociology articles on what that's all about. Right. But, um, that's probably true, but wait, so let's, let's, let's semi go there for a minute. Um, I want to just follow the, the, you know, prisoners and, and the people who are other people who are foreign uh, role of this, because, you know, then you get to, so let's be heavy right away. Then you get to, to the Holocaust, which is one of the first associations I have with, with tattoos to demonstrate otherness. I mean, one of us had to say it, so I may as well early <laughs> on. One numbers, you know, but still. It's it's a it's a it's a thing. It's a permanent right? bodily modification. Right. Right. Um, it's a negative thing. The negative, right? And it's right. the same thing as othering the stranger. 
Um, right. So, so just wanted to get that out of the way early. <laughs> As opposed to a walk down the street in contemporary Brooklyn or, or just about <laughs> anywhere else where you're going to see positive tattoos right uh, out the wazoo less so this time of year when everybody's all bundled up right yeah um, you're also going to see things that are pierced oh, yeah. there are other things that are pierced that you're not going to see <laughs> thank goodness right. and um which i uh, which will take as a as a positive but um uh, i guess it's about identity and expression yeah. um storytelling so today than than perhaps the magical mystical sorts of interpretations but the choice yeah. of symbols i think there's a there's you know you don't randomly get a tattoo you get a tattoo of something with symbolism for yourself so well, the three of us are the worst people to ask because we don't have any tattoos as far as i know <laughs> and so we really don't know why people get tattoos it's a very safe <laughs> we, we can only wildly speculate as to why people actually get tattoos right. well so. i want to i want to speculate right now really quickly because i want to follow the <laughs> 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 I want to follow okay. the idea of otherness um, and othering one's self with a tattoo because it's an act of rebellion, right? You know, your parents don't want you to get a tattoo, but you want to show that you're different and unique and, and not see, afraid of it. I, I think that's a little outdated because now <laughs> most Americans under the age of 50 have tattoos. And so well, those 50 year olds have children who also have tattoos. That's so true. they all, right. I mean, we're right. So we're looking at this as from an outside perspective, both in terms of age and in terms of we don't have tattoos. But I think now you're not rebelling. You are part of a family of people who all have tattoos. You're part of a new tribal culture. Right, exactly. Right. Well, I always thought that it was some sort, in the contemporary world, it was some sort of, um, uh, let's call it retribalization instinct that's a good word i know I, i've made the, i think i made that up um, <laughs> that you know but but as with as with all countercultures eventually it becomes the culture and right. the outgroup or the outgroup like behavior becomes the the in group because there are just so damn many of you every right. every encoding is a decoding oh, right that's good. decoding right but the thing that we we haven't seen i mean and that it includes scarification I have to say the um, the thing that we haven't seen in the contemporary world, as far as I'm aware, is um, <laughs> and you haven't you haven't left the third floor of your house in, <laughs> in 22 years. Yeah, and I, I haven't left my condo in, a, in at least you know right. So, um, and that's head modeling. <laughs> yes, you are quite uh, right. right. And I'll, you know, it should be pointed out to our listener. Um, that this is actually in, in antiquity in in ancient Near East, in the ancient Near East, it was moderately common, particularly in prehistory, um, where young youngins would have their heads bound into boards, yeah. and the result would be that um, you'd look like a conehead. <laughs> Isn't that and, horrible? I mean, what a horrible thing! That's God. it's pretty wacky, actually. <laughs> Right. I mean, I'm sounding very judgmental, but you know what? I'm just going to go speaking with that. as a mother. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. On yeah. the other hand, if you were, I don't know, a Halafian mother, 
You'd right. be horrified if your kid didn't do it, or you'd right. be honored if your did do it. I think I would, you know, reluctantly go along, but I would still be horrified. Um, so, ta so tattooing was really a um, sort of a positive evolutionary trend away, <laughs> away from skull deformation. <laughs> that is what we seem to be saying. Right. <laughs> Society takes a huge leap forward. Yeah. By the uh, way, when I reread our Gilat article this morning, which we wrote 21 years ago, I'm not fully convinced that um, her head, her skull had been, had been modified. Um, yeah, I thought we were, I think we were playing fast and fast and footloose with with that particular interpretation. Yeah. Right. I have to look at I have to look at her head again real quick. But how about how about the last person, the last person with a deformed skull in the halaf? Imagine how they felt. Like looking around and realizing that they were the only ones who couldn't wear a hat, you know, or, or had to wear a custom made hat because point. their, their yeah. pointy little head. Yeah. And well, this brings up another issue because my first thought was, you know, what did the other kids in the playground say? Were they teased mercilessly? Were they excluded? But they probably wouldn't have been just living with the, the community. It wasn't it probably specific people? And this can bring us back to maybe the Egyptian examples. Wasn't it specific people who would be modified, people who had a ritual role? Well, we don't, we, I mean, we have such a limited corpus of, you know, yeah. skulls and figurines that have this kind of thing that even if, you know, it's, I think it's hard to say. Yeah, uh, the, I, I, I wouldn't say what their roles were. I, I wouldn't speculate, at least. You have to speculate. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, but that's all we have is speculation. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just fascinated by the idea that you could go to a Halaf community and there was a, a reasonable chance, if you went to enough of them, that you'd see a bunch of people walking around who looked like coneheads. Right. And... You know, did was this eyebrow raising or was this like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and it's it's all very odd. And certainly there are enough figurines from from these periods of, you know, the later Neolithic and into you know the early periods in Syria, Mesopotamia that suggest, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a known thing. Right. You don't think we're extrapolating too much from the figurines that we have? We didn't extrapolate. <laughs> we, wouldn't have a, we wouldn't have an award-winning podcast. <laughs> were, they, were they merely aspirational figurines? This is what we should be looking like, but we, we fail miserably. Right. I've, I've been squeezing my head for days now. With my um, I, will, I will remind you both that, like, you know, real women don't look like Barbie dolls. What? So, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> what? And I guess a corollary would be real men don't look like Ken. <laughs> That's also correct. <laughs> Although Ken is less aspirational, and Barbie is often viewed as as aspirational. Right. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there are isolated cases in the contemporary world where where people aspire literally to look like a Barbie and a special, or a Ken doll. Right. Well, we right. chalk that up to pathology. Right. Or at least I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're going to have a conversation about body modification, I, in the modern world, I see <clears throat> plastic surgery does come into play. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, but again, we are getting far afield. Very far afield. <laughs> so I, I think I might have started that tangent, so I take it back. <laughs> well, I like the idea 
and, and I guess I've I, I say this every I say this every time that there's these handful of examples give us an idea about an invisible world. And because soft tissue is not generally preserved um, right. outside of the arid mm -hmm. zones or very specific kinds of contexts, right. um, we don't know what people were doing to themselves. And, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, Ancient Egypt, ancient Syria, Mesopotamia, maybe it really, people really did look like they walked out of Brooklyn. <laughs> and they, were, they were covered with these things. Well, so there is this one example from Siberia, right. that dates to 500 right. uh, BCE from the Yukuk Plateau, right at the juncture of Russia, Mongolia, China, and Kazakhstan, uh, in which this, uh, there is some kind of, you know, elite burial of a, of a woman, uh, in one of these burial mounds, one of these kurgan, and uh, she's replete with fantastic uh, tattooed with fantastic animals, and and these tattoos are outrageously beautiful. Yeah, I mean they I find them just so incredibly compelling, uh, and she's filled with them, uh, her arms, her legs, um, and apparently there's a tradition among this people. Um, this is a pastoral group in sort of the Altai Mountains. They're called the, what are they called? They're called the Paz, Paz, I can't pronounce it, Pazric? Pazric, yeah, which are basically, I guess, Scythians, more or less. Yeah. And we know a little bit more about the Scythians, uh, that they would add tattoos as they got older. So the older you were, you were, the more tattoos you had. And that everyone's first tattoo seemed to be on their what, left shoulder? Is that it? Or left chest? One or the other? Right. And so that was, so there was a, there was a very uh, clear starting point in your tattoo uh, aging process that you would get this first tattoo on your left side. And then every, right. whatever year or whatever, you, you'd get more and more tattoos. And these tattoos look very modern. They look just, yeah. and they're, as I said, they're really, you know, they're filled with wild animals and animals interwoven and all sorts of, um, they're really quite beautiful. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And they're, they're perfectly artistically executed there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they would, they would look, I mean, they would be outstanding hipsters in, in modern Brooklyn. And we're missing, we're, but we're missing that from all the other places. Right. Um, right. So there's, yeah, there's also the difference between those beautiful tattoos and the sort of point pointed design, um, just right. little dots and lines and geometric. Um, and, and yeah, so there's the artistry. Not everybody can do a perfectly executed tattoo versus the, I don't know, utilitarian to be part of the in-group, just right. put a bunch or, of dots. Or for therapy, if it's some kind of, you know, like, let's see, some kind right. of... Um, Right. And I wonder if that's technological. Is there some sort of, you know, technological aspect to it? Um, right. That's interesting, too. Um, funny you should mention that, because I did just in preparation for this, watch a six minute long how to make <laughs> your own at home tattoo video on YouTube. Because um, I want to see what the process was and how, you know, I don't want to see the whole electronic, whatever they do in tattoo parlors. I want to see how easy or difficult it would be. And it looks like it's pretty easy. Um, yeah, yeah sure. you need some ink, you need a needle, 
Um, ideally, you need something to to sterilize the area. I think that's I think that's aspirational. <laughs> the, the, uh, you don't you even need, need ink. You really just need soot. I mean, in the in the ancient world and in Egypt, et cetera, they were just using using soot. Right. Right. And the one the one actual piece of information I may have learned from this person on YouTube is that um, you can do it deeper or you can do it less deep and the, the color may stay more if you, the, the deeper you put the needle, the, the more permanent it is likely to be. Mm -hmm. Was, are these are these Russian prison tattoos? Is this where this video came from? Or was, um, that's a whole other tradition. You know, there's lots of these ad hoc kinds of traditions. Don't forget pirates. Um, <laughs> we won't ever forget pirates. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was just some girl showing, you know, in her dormitory room and showing right. people how to do a tattoo. Yeah. Good. We're going to post that link on our website <laughs> for all of you parents out there. But, but it, is an, it, it is a really interesting observation, the, the different sort of styles yeah. and how yeah, some yeah. are very, very utilitarian, just points, dots, or long lines in groups, and um, as opposed to, you know, real, um, uh, you know, artistic kinds of imagery or imagery taken from, you know, uh, taken from the, the world of, of gods and goddesses, that kind of thing. Right, right. And this is, I'll bring us back to the, the Egyptian one, um, the, uh, uh, the one with the baboons and the wedged eyes and everything else, um, the, just hunting for where that's, that's from Daryl Medina. And, um, um, so that's clearly symbolic, and right. the speculations in the article about it were uh, were quite fantastic and 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 kind of all over the map, which I think is quite reasonable. You know what? Why was this woman tattooed? And we, she we would never do that in an article about ta a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> we would stick to the to the evidence. We we wouldn't speculate about the why, why the Gilat woman had so many yeah. tattoos. Uh, no. Yeah. Never. <laughs> I hope we get lots of downloads on Research Gator Academia based on talking about the Gilat article. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wow. see what happens. Talk about a, a hidden agenda. You can go to our store and, and <laughs> download it for the low, low price. Right. Um, but, Interesting but, though, for the Gilat, why is it in red and not black? If they were, because they probably weren't, they probably didn't have red tattoos. I mean, it, it, all the indications seem to be that the early tattoos are monochromatic and in black. Um, but um, what about the ice woman with all her fancy ones? But she, but that's the fifth century. Okay, right. Right. So right. no, you could be right uh, in that you know maybe it was polychromatic. But right. the question is, is that in the fifth century BCE, do they have more access? Do they have greater access to these kinds of things? Right. Uh, technologies and. But there are also cultural color conventions. Right. Uh, that sure. are in play. So just to go back to the all important calcolithic period, they don't really do much <laughs> outside. Red is their go to fancy Red is, color. Right. It is. Right. Um, well, yeah. So. You know. Yeah, but the other thing that I think we did speculate briefly on in the article. Um, Boy, you're getting a lot article. of mileage out of this article. <laughs> <laughs> A little shameless. Is, is I am. I know. Um, is, oh, <laughs> is henna. Um, you know, maybe it's representing painting with henna, which mm -hmm. you know had a long tradition and still has a long tradition. So maybe, you know, the red might maybe it's it's just right. henna. That, that was pretty clever of us. 
We're very clever. <laughs> right. Well, and but that's also a good point that in um, all traditional cultures, I'll say all, but you know, lots, um, there are all sorts of non-permanent uh, decorative body decorative traditions. So across the across the Middle East and Africa, there are henna ceremonies for for women who are going to get married, but the, these are non-permanent, and we wouldn't know about them except for sort of documentation from the you know contemporary and near contemporary world. Right. Um, yeah. And and they're all they're dots and they're lines and they're swirls and other things depending on the particular culture and whatnot. So I think that all these things were probably very very common in in antiquity, but we just don't see them, and we don't we don't know how to go about uh, thinking about them and what role that they played because they played lots of different roles. Right. Like, Girls who are going to get married get decorated for a time. Well, what does that mean exactly? Right. 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 I mean, that that to me speaks of uh, fertility ritual of some form or another, which, you know, you can look at the lot woman, obviously, also in terms of, of fertility. And uh, I won't talk about her anymore. I guess I guess I've overplayed my Gilad. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, but can we come back? download. Right. Um, but but the the association of um, this Egyptian mummy with Hathor, and I think also the Jebelain, um was there a Hathor association there too, or am I making that up? No, with the Jebelain, it was the male had two uh, animals overlapping: a bull, wild bull, and a wild sheep. Right, and I think the woman had little S's. A line of S's and a sort oh, yeah. of a, a crooked staff. Right. Okay. Which of course has later, you know, um, kind of royal associations in Egyptian iconography. Right. Okay. So I don't think there was a clear Hathor link, but the later ones from Daryl Medina, there seemed to be a clear link to Hathor. Okay. Got it. Got it. So what's the 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 one the one from Daryl Medina? They think is some kind of magical, mystical healer, woman, something. Yeah. Right. Maybe not a priestess. Maybe something. Right. But if there's a if there's like a regular person um, who who gets who gets tattooed, let's say in Egypt, what repertoire of images do they get to choose from? Do they just walk into the parlor and say, well, "Give me a hot bar and a and a wedged eye"? That looks that looks cool. Or, or do you not get to choose? Or does the tattooer choose? Um, you you look like a you look like <laughs> the best kind of a gal. I'm going to give you a best, best right here on your on your shoulder. Um, but you see, I think that begs the question because um, I think you know. First of all, maybe we need to do tons more infrared scanning on every single mummy to find all the tattoos that were not. Mm. Being, uh, but I, but I think you know the few tattooed mummies that we see, these people are special in their society in some way, don't we think? You're not walking right. into the tattoo parlor, right? Though Erskine wasn't special, from what we know, he was right. just a 
he was just a jamoke out for a walk and got waylaid. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's that's true. That's true. So, uh, but again, again, he's you know he seems to be a little bit different in that there seemed to be some kind of medicinal aspect to his tattooing. Right. But suppose so I, you're a Scythian and you're getting your annual tattoo. Right. Oh, give me the the prancing reindeer. Right. No, no, we did the prancing reindeer last year. You're going to get a, yeah. you know, uh, you know <laughs> yeah. some kind of astral symbol right. this year. Right. Um, right. But we also, you know, we, we're comparing vastly different cultures far away from each other. And it's sure. uh, a point. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think I don't think we should do that. Just right. don't give me the delta on the forehead, please. Right. No deltas on the forehead. No A's on the forehead. Correct. Right. No, no numbers <laughs> written anyplace else, please. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then there's also the location of the tattoo. The numbers reminded me again, you know, whether you want it to be visible or whether you don't want it to be visible. And with the Daryl Medina one, I think it was that one, um, there were no tattoos on the shoulders where straps of a clothing would have been, but there were plenty of tattoos in visible areas. So right. this was clearly meant to be seen, not hidden. Um, right. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's very interesting. And oh, with that one, there's also all the tattoos and the speculation about the tattoos on the neck area. Right. To do with, with magic and spells and speaking the spells, um, which is kind of fascinating, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in warm weather climes, you're gonna have a lot more visibility uh, or potentially a lot more visibility. Right, as opposed so, to a Scythian. Right, so tattoos are gonna mean something different. Um, yeah. Whereas, whereas in the uh, in Siberia, it's going to be a whole different thing. Or in Greenland, there was another article about mummies in Greenland. Um, they weren't. I, I I'm not sure. I don't remember the date. They weren't particularly ancient, but there was a lot of um, tattooing also done in prehistoric Greenland. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And this right. So, so the, the the contrast is. You know, you, you go to uh, Polynesia, Oceania, right? And it's it's goes it's huge and it's important and it's but it's out there in the open for everybody right. to see. You go to right. you go to um, the Altai Mountains, and you're not going to see very much, right? Um, and we didn't even bring up the Maori, who of course have a, a you know a very elaborate, rich, um, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. history with tattooing and that's all very out there because a lot of their tattoos are facial right and it's but so i made some kind of note here um it, it takes a lot of time <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of time to do these things um so that means it's an investment from a purely materialist perspective it's an investment in <laughs> in labor and it extracts some of your time, the tattoo, tattoo E. Right. The, the um, YouTube video I saw was only six minutes long. <laughs> okay, how, much, how, 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 how many square feet did they, it was little, go ahead. No, you're right, you're right. Um, and you also can't, well, except for this woman on YouTube, I think more serious tattoos, you can't do them on yourself. And I think that's an important point that you're right. That maybe you're heading towards your own back. Right. Sort of fun for the whole family. Right. Hey, hey mom, <laughs> <laughs> you have a couple of minutes. 
but we don't know who's we don't know who's doing it. Are there there must be certainly in the case of of the this Egyptian this fancy Egyptian mummy or certainly the Scythian yeah. example and all the and you know, lots of other places. You have to have a special. You have to have a special skill, and you have right. to know what the hell you're doing. Right, and you have to have a complete control over the iconographic vocabulary. Right, and yeah. as yeah. well as uh, you know, sufficient hand-eye coordination. And, <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> and you have to practice. Yeah, well, that's so, true. Maybe that's what the figurines are. <laughs> yeah, that could be. That could be. <laughs> oh, I like that. We solved it. Maybe, or, may, or maybe it was just the same way it is with um, modern surgery. Teaching, teaching surgeons, you, you know, right. see one, do one, teach one. Right. Um, There's a comforting thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been kind of on my mind for many, many years since I first heard that. And of course, you can age out of the practice once you start getting a little shaky. Right. 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 Um, here we are all just <laughs> contemplating the implications of <laughs> Shiki, the tattoo artist. I was a surgeon, but now I'm a tattoo artist. Right, right. <laughs> but it means that the whole process has to be, in, in effect, uh, uh, professionalized, if not ritualized. Yeah, I was just wondering if the tattoo artists were priests, I'm thinking Egypt, but who knows, or if the tattooees were um, were priestesses um or maybe they both were right or maybe there was a, a a hierarchy that uh if you were some sort of regular man or woman off the street yeah you you could go to one of those discount places and get some dots and maybe <laughs> even a straight line but if you want a good looking hathor on your shoulder then yeah. you gotta you gotta go to the best yep yeah. so i don't know um, again, it, it's it's almost invisible. Right. Um, that was your original point: is the degree of invisibility in the yeah. ancient world. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Which is something all archaeologists have to be okay with. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're um, never going to all. That goes along with the invisibility of rituals that go along with any texts that we find. You know, spells, whatever. Um, yeah, well, I just like to think that that maybe we're we're missing out on a lot of rich sort of ritual and identity kinds of expressions, and that everybody's walking around with cone heads and <laughs> through their noses and and earrings, and they're wearing beads and da 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 da. And we just we dopey twenty first century archaeologists are just completely oblivious. Yeah. That's entirely possible. I mean, we, at least we in, in Western society tend to decorate with temporary measures like necklaces and rings and earrings at the most, which involves piercings. Um, right. And so that's the norm to us, but that's not necessarily the norm to other right. cultures. And, and maybe now, and there's a, a, there'll be a generational shift as tattooing now becomes, you know, sort of a very common kind of, um, way to adorn oneself. Right, right. And I think that's why the, the youth moved from tattooing to various piercings because, you know, tattoos were just too too common at a certain point. Right, but now piercing right now. is passing. Yeah. Right. right. Very quickly, relatively right. speaking. Well, 
maybe we should wrap it up before we start talking about branding or scarification or yeah good point <laughs> all right final thoughts would you do it uh yeah yeah i i i want to i i like those ones on the on the uh on the siberian princess right so we fully expect you to show up one day with this siberian princess tattoo yes yeah. i think so maybe yeah. some kind of you know fantastic fantastic beast Fantastic beasts and where you find them. <laughs> Good one. Um, yeah, I, I uh, don't think I would do it. I think this conversation has made me more squeamish. Seeing the YouTube video made me extra squeamish and uh, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm getting kind of old for this kind of nonsense, frankly. Right. Well, that's a whole different issue. You can't, I mean, how can you, you know. Right. Our skin is not tattoo worthy. <laughs> Well, right. There's that. But then there's also like, you know, what would what would the children say? Ew, I can't believe you did that. I'm not going to be seen with you. Yeah. Or they would say, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Either way, it's a, it's a losing proposition. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well, we broke the speculation meter with this episode, which is fine because we get speculation meters by the case. So we'd like to thank Eris Dessel educator and residents at the Savannah Music Festival for our theme music. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Hoopal Family Dermatology. It's the only dermatology practice in Hoopal with a 10 petawatt laser, which makes tattoo removal a snap. To get in touch, leave us a comment or send us an email at thisweekintheancientneareast, it's all one word, at gmail.com or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.